Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge Weekly NFL Prop Spectacular. I'm your host, Alan Bell. Coach is out on assignment preparing for tonight, so I am in his place. And you know what? Substitute rules. We're going to have fun, but we're going to knock these picks out of the park, too. Let's take a look at how we did last week before we get into this week. It's some X's. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not our normal operation here. Uh, And you know what? I'll tell you what. Snake, go ahead and bring in the stars of the show. We see those there. All right, and props. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm not blaming anybody, but we are operating under no-hitter rules, and those rules were broken, and that's what happens. So good to see we, you. Going. It's good to see you, AB. Cousin Sia, always great to see you as well. Happy holiday to you both. Enjoyed spending time with both you guys yesterday. But yeah, AB, finally, it honestly feels like a weight lifted off of my yeah. shoulders. 11 consecutive, or excuse me, 10 consecutive uh, profitable weeks came to an end last week. Actually, I broke even if you included all of the stream picks I gave out from Thursday Night Football last week to Monday Night Football. Went on that great run when it was Alan Lazard. Uh, Then there was uh, George Kittle. We also hit a prop on Sunday Night Football as well with Isaiah Pacheco. So we actually broke even, but I want to consider this streak over. I'm ready to start a new one. So, yeah, it's week 12. Let's get it going. Let's get it going indeed, man. And sometimes, you know what, feels good. To just take a shower, clean up, get ready, go out, knock it out of the park. Get and back on the horse, AB. Absolutely, man. And let me tell you this. Somebody who knows about cleaning up nicely and hitting the town, our man seeing Najad. How are you doing, sir? So I'm more excited to do this prop show than normal. And, and it's because we watched a game last night on the eve of Thanksgiving, or I should say last night on Thanksgiving, where the officiating was so incredibly bad, specifically against one team, that it didn't necessarily, you know, make me think, okay, well, I I don't want to bet against the spread anymore. Like, obviously, I'm betting against the spread all the time. But, you know, in the prop market, I just don't think some of that stuff, officiating can obviously affect props as well. But, man, I, I am so excited to do a prop show after what I saw happen Uh, in that game last night. Yeah. I'll tell you this, man. Like, I I get it, like, what you're saying. And it's so frustrating at times because you look at it, you're like, none of this is necessary. And we could go for hours on this. I think the threshold of penalties called in the NFL is too high. I think if you could bring that down, keep it even, right? 
But it's like, dude, we, you really could call a penalty on every play. And they damn sure did last night on one team. But, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. It's just – it's maddening, man. It's frustrating for sure. But you know what? What's not frustrating is getting these picks. And Reed Phillips, real quick, the chat says, do it props for the mother-in-law house in Clarksville, Tennessee. Nice, man. Austin P. I'm not too far from Clarksville, Tennessee, about 45 minutes or so. A wonderful place right there on the line between Tennessee and Kentucky. And speaking of neither of those states, we're going to get into our first game here. We have the Falcons at the Commanders. Commanders, a four-point favorite at home. Total of 40 and a half. See ya. You have one play here. Nice little combo prop. What you got, bro? Yeah, it's a combo prop. This is my team, the Washington Commanders. I'd like to think I have usually a little bit more insight than most, but I think everybody kind of sees what is happening with this Washington offense. They are trying to establish the run the best they can, and they should be able to do that against the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, Heineke, when he needs to, he passes it downfield, mostly to Terry McLaurin, although he did spread it around a little bit more last week, including Logan Thomas and, and some of the other pass catchers. With all of that said, what you do against Atlanta, and the reason why Washington is a four-point favorite is because they have a great defense and they like to run the ball, and you can run the ball against Atlanta. There's two running backs here because J.D. McKissick is on IR. So you've got Antonio Gibson, who has been way more efficient than Brian Robinson, and you've got Antonio Gibson actually getting the passing work too because of the J.D. McKissick factor, him being out. So you know, he's averaging four targets per game over the last seven games. That is why I'm actually going to the rushing and receiving prop for Antonio Gibson versus just the rushing prop. So I've got Antonio Gibson over 71 and a half rushing and receiving yards. This is at FanDuel at minus 114. I'll tell you in some other places, it's all the way up to, or it was even posted at 74 and a half. I would take it there, but I wouldn't take it any further than 74 and a half. But at FanDuel, you can get it at 71 and a half rushing and receiving as of an hour or so ago. Uh, and again, without J.D. McKissick, knowing that Antonio Gibson is going to get that pass catching role, that he's been the more efficient running back with the rush attempts than Brian Robinson. He had a nearly 70 percent snap share last week. So you can see kind of the wheels turning with the coaching staff that Antonio Gibson's probably giving us our best chance, particularly between the 20s to advance the ball. Uh, again, Atlanta soft against the run. Um, J.D. McKissick's a big, a big part here. If we can get the two minute offense in either the second or the fourth quarter, that's going to carve into this 71 and a half. Uh, pretty well. But even without that, I think he can get there. So give me Antonio Gibson over 71 and a half rushing and receiving again. I'd play it up to 74 and a half, no higher. Yeah. See, all right. So first off, I mean, that's a great play and, and we'll get to do it real quick. I've seen a, a, a couple of people in the chat saying that they're having technical difficulties in regards to the sound. I know that me explaining right now, you can't hear me, but exit out, come right back in. That should do it. Snake, if you could type that in the chat, that would be perfect. All right, so what you were speaking about in regards to Gibson and the commander's office, I mean, you're right with the Falcons. They can't stop the run. They also can't stop the pass. Like, yeah. they've got problems. They're banged up. Like, the, what Arthur Smith and that team did, to, basically up to kind of now, dude, should be commended. Arthur Smith did mm -hmm. more with less. And Marcus Mariota, a guy who uh, you will never hear me say a negative thing about. He is a tremendous human being. His time's probably coming to an end, um, but you know what? They got out of that. They squeezed that orange about every juice that was out of it. Now, you're not only going to see the commander's offense, because I'll tell you, I'm on the commander's uh, team touchdown total over 20 and a half, right? Um, or, I'm sorry, over two and a half, 20 and a half, two and a half, because I, I agree completely with you. I think Washington's going to have multiple uh, opportunities uh, with short fields because of turnovers. Like, this is going to be a great, Great game for props in that one, and well done uh, there. All right, next one here, Ravens. What? Let me make sure. 
Props, do you speak up on this if you don't have a play? I want to make sure I follow the rules on this show. <laughs> I can always speak, A.B., so uh, no shortage of takes from me, but I'm think? happy to move along to the next game. All right, man. Well, you know what? We'll do that. I just wanted to make sure we followed some protocol here, right? We can't have complete last day of school chaos here. Get your yearbook and throw all your books in the trash. All right, next game here. I'm rambling. Ravens minus three and a half at the Jaguars. Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, total of 43 and a half. Props, sir, if you have two plays on this game on both sides, hit us with it, bro. What you got? Yeah, two big plays. First up, we're going Mark Andrews over 63 and a half receiving yards. We are getting a fully healthy Mark Andrews, not on the final injury report this week. If you've been paying attention to him, he has been battling an injury, playing hurt uh, a lot, missing a few games as well, um, and just mostly being ineffective when he's been hurt. So we are getting a fully healthy Mark Andrews this week at a discounted rate as a result of those previous performances. Among all NFL players that have run 100-plus routes, Andrews has a 96% target rate, a 97th percentile first read target rate and a 98th percentile target share. That is absolutely unbelievable elite wide receiver stuff, but this guy plays tight end, which is just bonkers uh, when we look at it. He is a just absolutely dominant receiver at the tight end position. He gets 30% of his team's targets, 36% of the air yard share, and a first read on 23% of the routes run, 2.12 yards per route run, and he runs 67% of his routes from the slot, which is also very important because the Jags have really struggled against slot receivers all season long. Their pass defense, uh, their 28th in coverage grade according to PFF. They're uh, 19th in EPA allowed per drop pack, 18th in drop pack success percentage, and they are dead last, 32nd in DVOA to the tight end position. So this is an absolutely fantastic matchup for Mark Andrews, who, as I mentioned, has an absolutely elite target profile. When you're getting all these targets deep down the field, he's the first read. Uh, This is all the checks you hit when you look for potential spike games. And then on top of that, he gets a soft matchup to boot. So absolutely love Mark Andrews. This is probably my favorite play so far that I've come across this week. Over 63 and a half receiving yards. I'd play it all the way up to 67, 68. I expect it to ultimately close in the upper 60s as well. So get on this one now. Next up, we've got Travis Etienne over 92 and a half combined rushing and receiving yards going with the combo line for Etienne. Uh, this is a matchup that Etienne can win. He has been absolutely phenomenal this season as well. He's averaging 120 combined rushing and receiving yards since he's taken over as the Jaguars lead back once James Robinson was traded uh, to the Jets. Uh, Etienne, again, phenomenal. He ranks in the top 10 in nearly every single important, crucial running back metric that I look at. Rush yards over expected per attempt, elusive rating, breakaway yards, success rate and he's also been very strong in the passing game as well which is why i prefer to attack the combo line i talk about this a lot the reason i play combo lines often is because when we have a running back with a versatile skill set it be kind of uh gives us some security with the game script in a scenario where the ravens uh the jaguars opponent get up big in this game uh the jaguars will be forced to abandon the run a little bit and then 
in that scenario, ETN will be utilized a lot more in the receiving game where he has quite a lot of success. So this is a really good spot for ETN. He's got a massive uh, snap share as well. He played on 78% of the, uh, at least 78% of the snaps in four straight games. If you look at running backs across the league, only like two or three guys this year have that sort of usage. Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne, and that's honestly pretty much it. So he's got an elite usage profile coupled with just extremely explosive production to boot, playing a Ravens defense that has been pretty good, but they're more of a middling run defense, and he is more than capable of beating them. They're 18th allowed in EPA per rush. We're also getting a discount on this line because ETN had a minimal workload last week against the Chiefs, but that game just got out of hand pretty quickly, only ended up with 11 rushing attempts, had three targets. So this is a game I really feel like the Jags can hang with the Ravens at least for three or three quarters plus. And in that scenario, he's going to get a very big workload. I was expecting this to be like 101, 103. Getting this at 92 and a half is a big discount. I bet this closes around 97, 98 at least. Taking Travis Etienne over 92 and a half rushing and receiving yards. I played up to 95 and a half. Dude, love that ATM play. And you're right, man. The Jaguars, like, they're a fascinating team. Like, you could kind of see um, the momentum that they can pick up. Uh, it's going to take a lot of talent to do it. But I love Doug Peterson. And you're right. You know, a team that really doesn't have any fear of losing a game because, quite frankly, like, they're expected to. Like, you're going to get so many opportunities. And speaking of Mark, Andrew, Sia, you brought this up a couple weeks ago. It is unbelievable how much he has targeted overall in that Ravens offense. I mean, it's just incredible. Like it was almost affecting. I think you said it was like, it was affecting the way that they played yeah. because they, yeah. Like what say it again. Well, like, you know, I was saying that it was actually to me, Mark Andrews getting hurt for a couple games was actually beneficial to Lamar Jackson because what I noticed immediately after that injury, which I believe if memory serves, it was a few weeks ago and it happened at the beginning of the game where he had to exit the game. All of a sudden he started going through his progressions. He started looking at Devin DuVernay, Demarcus Robinson. Um, you know, I don't know that Rashad Bateman was playing, but the point is he was Isaiah likely. He was looking at all of his pass catchers. Whereas when Mark Andrews is in there, He's just locked in on Mark Andrews. So I'm not saying Lamar Jackson's a better quarterback with, without Mark Andrews. I'm saying that if you cannot have Mark Andrews and if you can force Lamar Jackson to go through his progressions, now when you get Mark Andrews back, he's even that much better of a quarterback. So I, I for the record, I love this play on Mark Andrews too. Me and Mike McClure just wrapped up the FFT DFS show. It's in all of your feeds, by the way. So go ahead and check that out. But Mark Andrews did come up in that show. He's kind of been under the, I mean, he's never under the radar, but I don't think a lot of people are going to be willing to pay up for him in DFS on this particular slate because normally they want to do that and they want to pair him with, uh, you know, stack him with Lamar Jackson, for example. This is kind of a low total, 43 and a half. I don't know how much people are going to be stacking this game with a lot of other games, with a lot of other high totals. But Mark Andrews is a very sneaky play because the production should absolutely be there to Alex's point. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and that was exactly it. Like the point that I was getting to is that <laughs> – he is kind of like underrated because people don't look, you know, his name, you know, when you start going through props and it's like, dude, nobody's going to get more opportunities than Mark Andrews yeah. across the NFL. Yeah. Props. What's up? Yeah. There was a point, I believe it was before he suffered that shoulder injury where he had like a complete dud where he was playing hurt. I think it was, I want to say week seven or week eight where Mark Andrews was the most targeted player in the NFL. Not not a tight end. I'm talking about at wide receiver or tight end, obviously running back. He was the number one overall targeted player on a per game basis in the NFL. That type of usage at tight end is just 
otherworldly does not happen. So it's, it's yeah. unbelievable. Like Travis Kelsey doesn't get that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah see what's happening. And, no, it's just, you know, it's a side note here. And the reason I kind of picked up on the fact that Lamar, and one of the reasons I picked up on the fact that Lamar Jackson just so squarely focused on Mark Andrews. Well, you guys know I'm not in the club, right? You know, fortunately we have some football left, so hopefully I'll be in the club soon, but I had Rashad Bateman as first touchdown score before Rashad Bateman got hurt. I believe it was in the same game Mark Andrews got hurt. The point is they were on the like the six or seven yard line. Rashad Bateman runs a a, a very quick slant and he's wide open. I mean, there's just there's nobody there. He's going to catch it and he's going to get in the end zone. And he was not even looked at by <laughs> yeah. Lamar Jackson. Like he's on, he's on, he's in the slot. So, I mean, it wasn't hard to like get over to your left and look over at Rashad Bateman. He was squarely focused on Mark Andrews who was covered and he tried to fit a, a ball to Mark Andrews in a really tight spot, an awkward spot. And of course it was incomplete. I'm like, come on, man. Like you've got other guy. receivers on the field. He's wide open. So that's, you know, once, and then Mark Andrews ends up going out of the game. And then, you know, I start to notice he's, he's, you know, seeing the whole field all of a sudden. So uh, those things can be true. Those things can happen. And I, I think it's going to be, even more beneficial to Lamar and Mark Andrews this week and the weeks going forward. Yeah, no, it's a great observation, man, for sure. All right, real quick props question for you in the chat from Mike M. Uh, ATN, 64 and a half yards rushing. Yeah, I would play the over there as well. I like it. The reason, again, I, I prefer the combo line in this scenario is because there are, there are some uh, situations or ranges of outcomes where Baltimore is playing with a lead forcing Jacksonville to run the ball less than they would like to. In that scenario, I really believe that ETM will be utilized a lot in the receiving game. That's why I prefer the combo line, but I definitely lean over on the rushing yards as well. Beautiful, sir. Thank you. All right, next game here. Broncos, a one-point favorite on the road at the Carolina Panthers, 1 p.m. Eastern here, a total of 36. 36, that is such a low number. See you coming to you. You got one play on Latavius Murray. What do you got? Yeah, two extremely dynamic offenses. Can't wait to watch this one. I have Latavius Murray, but it's not an over. It's a, it's an obscure under. These are unders I like to play a lot. It's the under on his longest rush of 14 and a half yards. It's minus 110. Believe it or not, in, in a lot of markets, this is just to the over, like minus 120, for example, uh, to the over in some markets. So I, I honestly think this line should be more like 12 and a half. The reason it is at 14 and a half is because we know Latavius Murray is the guy. There, there's really nobody else behind him. We had uh, Chase Edmonds get hurt. We had, um, let's see, who got released? Oh, of course, Melvin Gordon got released. So Latavius Murray, Murray at There's nobody years, else. Yeah. There's, yeah. There, there's no, is it Marlon Mack that, that's going to be spelled? Or am I thinking of, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it is, is, yeah. Mar, I think it's Marlon Mack and a Zigbo that's behind him. So it's the Latavius Murray show. But listen, in spite of getting all the volume, and I do think because of the volume, you could maybe lean towards his over when it comes to his rushing yardage, which, by the way, is 65 and a half. But in terms of the longest rush, I, I don't really see it. Now, Carolina does give up around 4.7 yards per carry. So there might be a few chunk plays in there for Latavius Murray. But we know he's 32 years old. He's not a burner. And for the record, he has had double-digit carries this year. Uh, for the Broncos, 17 carries, 14 carries, and 15 carries. So it's not like this is going to be the first game where he gets a ton of volume. Yeah, he'll probably get more than 14, 15. He'll probably get in that 17 to 20 rushing carries, uh, uh, rushing attempts uh, sort of margins there. But he hasn't exceeded 14 yards as his longest rush all season. So even in those games where he's actually getting the volume, he hasn't exceeded 14 yards. I think 14 and a half is a tick too high. I genuinely think it should be at 12 and a half. And for the record, the Panthers, while their rush defense is pretty bad, it's not 
one of the worst in the league. And I don't think they're going to be threatened by Russell Wilson and likely no. no Jerry Judy. And, you know, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler is probably not going to play. So there's just, there's not a lot of reason to respect the passing game. And just all of a sudden Latavius Murray is running through wide open holes. So give me the under and Latavius Murray's longest rush of 14 and a half at minus 110. Yep. And you know what? I'll tell you what, uh, you know, remember uh, a primetime game a uh, week, two weeks ago where everybody was riding the Atlanta Falcons against the Carolina Panthers, right? They were saying, look, Cordero Pattis to this run game. It's going to run through Carolina. Mm-hmm. It did not. Like, they put they put the clamps down on the run. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm on the Broncos team total over 18 and a half points because I think that the Broncos are going to have a lot of short, short fields. Mm-hmm. There's going to be turnovers. There's going to be all kinds of craziness. So I'm with you. Like, playing the under on a longest rush, yeah, I'm totally with you on that one. All right. Let's get into our next game here. But before we do and get into the afternoon, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our partners. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. All right, getting into the Sunday afternoon slate. We have the Chargers, a three-point favorite on the road at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, 4.05 p.m. Eastern game, a total of 48. One play, see you again. Coming right back at you, buddy. James Conner, what do you got? Yeah, interesting spot for James Conner. I'm not really a James Conner guy, but I do like the situation he's in here uh, at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. I have his over 63.5 rushing yards. It's minus 114. You know, I I was between two picks here. It was between this one, over 63 and a half rushing yards, or his over in rush attempts of 15 and a half. So I was kind of kind of going back and forth. But because the Los Angeles Chargers are giving up so much from a yards per carry standpoint, worse than the league, giving up 5.7 yards per carry, it led me to believe that the 63 and a half rushing yards is probably more easily attainable than the 15 and a half or 16 rush attempts. So I'd play this thing up to 65 and a half. Connor, speaking of guys that are the guy in the backfield, we just referred to Latavius Murray. Connor is the guy in the backfield now that Eno Benjamin is gone. So Keontae uh, Ingram, you know, he'll, he'll probably spell him for, you know, a couple breathers here and there, but it is going to be the James Connor show. I do expect him to re- to exceed the over in the, the rushing attempts of 15 and a half. So I think he'll get maybe 17, 18 rushing attempts, you know, game script pending but again the los angeles chargers giving up so much by uh, from a yards per carry standpoint and let's remember james connor was hurt in the the middle part of this year the last couple of games while his efficiency has been just okay he's looked like a fresh james connor and i think that's really important in this game i think the arizona cardinals are going to lean on him quite a bit uh marquis brown's likely back in this game they're going to have deandre hopkins they're probably not going to have rondale Moore. probably not going to have uh greg dorch 
but I, but I really think James Conner is going to have some holes to run through here, and and it wouldn't shock me at all if this sixty three and a half rushing yards is you know seventy eight or eighty by by the end of the game here. Yeah, I'll I tell you what, uh, you're talking about game script and, you know, game script dependent, uh, you know, in, in regards to getting and eclipsing this number. I don't even think that it matters in, in whatever the game script. We saw the other night uh, where the Cardinals played against the 49ers. They're down by 6,000 points. And you know what Cliff Kingsbury does on first down? Run, run, run. He does it every single time to stay ahead of the sticks. I'm with you. He's going to get every single opportunity on the planet to get runs, whether they're up, down, it doesn't matter. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because I'm noticing in the chat, it looks like uh, Bama fan has found the 63 and a half number on FanDuel, but it looks like a lot of people who are playing on DraftKings uh, are getting 66 and a half. And I know I just mentioned 65 and a half. I, I, I would say that 66 and a half is probably still okay. Anything beyond that is, is a definite no for me, but I, I'd be more comfortable in that 63 to 65 and a half range. But if you're at 66 and a half, I'm okay with that. I wouldn't go any further than that. Just go sign up for a FanDuel account. <laughs> yeah, or you no, could do that. Yeah, I know it's not available at every – well, I mean, it's pretty much available. Like, FanDuel's out there in every – I think every state that, yeah, has wagering legal. Uh, but right. no, Besides no. Oregon, A.B. Besides Oregon. Oregon is a one-book state. That's weird. Really? Yeah, DraftKings only. Really? I thought it was going to yeah. be like some state-run job over there. It was originally, and then DraftKings yeah. came. It was a state lottery, and then they transitioned to DraftKings, and you can only yeah. use DraftKings in Oregon. No college betting either. That's fascinating. There's, there has, yeah, there has to be some kickback money. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lottery. Yeah. We'll, we'll get gotcha. out. I'll tell you what. We'll get out of the RICO charges on this one and move on to the next game here. All right. Let's go to the Raiders at the Seahawks. Seahawks are a three-and-a-half point favorite, uh, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, a total of 47-and-a-half. You both have plays on this one. Sia, I've made you go first and speak like 19 times in a row, so give you a breather here. Props. Yeah, Geno Smith, my dude. What do you see? Yes, he and I both have Geno Smith props, which I love to see because we did not consult about props ahead of time. I am going Geno Smith over 255 and a half passing yards. Geno has played exceptionally well this year. He is the leader, uh, the odds on favor to win the comeback player of the year award. Again, he has been phenomenal. He's gone over this total in five of his last eight games he's only had two 300 plus passing games this season but i really think there's a great shot that he could have his third one against the raiders i will explain why furthermore i am going to sprinkle on some of his alt lines including him to throw over 300 passing yards yeah looking at this raiders pass defense they are absolutely dismal 32nd in epa allowed per drop pack 31st in drop pack success percentage, 27th in coverage grade, 23rd in pass rush grade. They are absolutely dismal. This is the worst secondary in the NFL. Furthermore, the Seahawks are not afraid to pass the ball this season either. They've been very pass heavy when the matchup has permitted. This looks to be one of those matchups as well where they will throw the ball often and on first down and be very aggressive doing so. Uh, this is just a great matchup for Geno, especially if the Raiders are able to push the Seahawks. I do expect the Raiders to have some success against uh, the Seahawks defense, a la Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. So this game has some sneaky shootout potential. If it does, he will sail over 300 yards, in my opinion. Even if it doesn't, I still think that Geno Smith and the Seahawks will lean heavily 
on the passing game because I always talk about this, the path of least resistance. You can acquire this data from how teams are choosing to attack. You can look at pass rate over expected. There's a lot of metrics that will paint a very clear picture of how teams are choosing to attack opponents. And yes, the Seattle team is not afraid to throw the ball with Gino. He also gets rid of the ball very quickly, which is important because the one key area that the Raiders are good at defensively is their quick pressure rate. Um, they're able to get to opposing quarterbacks quickly because of Max Crosby, who's an excellent defensive end, uh, Chandler Jones, and Gino gets the ball out of his hands as fast as any quarterback in the league. He's been the most accurate quarterback in the league. And DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and to a lesser extent, guys like Noah Fant, Will Disley, some of these tertiary and complementary players are going to feast against this Raiders pass defense that's completely over. Match so I love Geno Smith this week. Love to see his play as well. Taking him over 255 and a half passing yards, sprinkling a little bit on those alt lines that I talk about a lot all the time as well. Over 300 passing yards. So yeah, give me Geno Smith over 255 and a half. I'd play it up to 262. Would you care to know a stat real quick about the Raiders defense? See it before we get to uh, to your pick, both of you. I'd love I'd love to hear it. All right, here we go. The Raiders defense. They are, or the Raiders' defense is last in the NFL in sacks, last in the NFL in takeaways, last in passer rating allowed this year. Geno Smith, second highest passer rating this season in the NFL. And for prop betters, here's one for you. The Raiders, have, the Raiders defense has faced 17 goal-to-go opportunities, right? First and goal, second and goal, like series. They face 17 of them. They've allowed a touchdown on 17 of them. They haven't made one stop. One. That's Not incredible. One. It's unbelievable. No team has done it since 2000. Like, it, it never happens. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, any prop betters, uh, they get in the red zone. They're probably going to put in a touchdown. All right, see ya. You're also on Geno Smith, as mentioned. What do you got, buddy? Yeah, Geno Smith, uh, instead of the passing yards, which I like, by the way, I have Geno Smith longest pass over 35 and a half yards at minus 119. A couple of quick things here in our on our FFT DFS show, which, again, we just wrapped uh, that I do with Mike McClure. It's normally on Thursdays, but because of Thanksgiving, we just did it uh, this morning. This is our favorite game to stack. So for all you DFS players, this is a game to really be honing in on, not just on the Geno Smith side, for the record, um, although that's the side I like the most. Um, Mike McClure likes the Derek Carr side to Devontae Adams most. This is going to be a fireworks game, in my opinion. I, I think the over is coming in. I think there's going to be a lot of yards and a lot of explosive plays on both sides of the ball. We know the Raiders... Listen, I mean, pick your poison, right? What, what are you going to try to stop? DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, or, or is it going to be, you know, Ken Walker? Because it's been the Kenneth Walker show for the most part as of as of late. I think that just helps the explosive pass rate as it pertains to uh, Geno Smith. This is a very weak secondary, as Alex and yourself uh, completely uh, pointed out. Uh, Seattle hits a lot of explosive plays. Geno Smith likely hits DK Metcalf uh, at least a couple times down the field. He's had... 33, 34, and 34 pass attempts over the last three games. So I'm expecting 30-plus pass attempts, and I'm expecting a few of those well downfield. It actually could be Tyler Lockett because the Raiders are a little bit better defending outside receivers than they are slot receivers. So I could absolutely see Tyler Lockett getting behind this defense like we've seen him do year after year after year. And in this particular game, uh, I think it's, uh, especially coming off a bye, I think it's just open season for Geno Smith. He has been really efficient. You might see a little bit more Kenneth Walker than you want for these Geno Smith props, but because of that efficiency, he can get it done in less pass attempts, in less completions than your everyday quarterback. 
And I can't believe I'm saying that about Geno Smith, but he's the real deal at this point. I, I don't think there's any argument there. So give me Geno Smith over 35 and a half yards, longest pass. Beautiful. You know why I love that play? I'll give you one more stat here. Geno Smith. All right, deep passes this season. So quantified by 15 plus air yards or more. He is the best in the NFL, a 124.8 passer rating. He is lethal on deep plays. See, I think you have nailed this play. Brilliant, brilliant look on that one. All right, let's get into our next game here. Sunday night football, all right? We've got the Packers at the Eagles. Eagles is six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, yep, uh, total 46-and-a-half. There we go. Sorry, I couldn't read there for a second. All right, only one play, Prop Stars. On your boy, Miles Sanders. What do you got there? Whoa. Yeah, give me Miles Sanders over 66 and a half rushing yards. This is just a fantastic spot for Sanders, who has been very consistent this season as well. He's eclipsed this line in seven of his previous 11 games. This looks like a great spot for him to get an uptick in rushing volume against one of the biggest run funnels in the NFL this season in the Green Bay Packers. I talk about this word run funnel a lot. What it means is, for those of you unaware, is teams that get run on a lot. Sometimes that's a matter uh, of circumstance because teams have bad defenses or bad offenses and they're trailing. The Packers are unique because they have a very good pass defense, but they have a just dismal run defense. So when teams are game planning to play the Packers, they are shifting very heavily to the run where the Packers have just been very, very poor. Also, the Eagles, we've seen them struggle a bit over the last two weeks. Um, losing their first game of the year to see as commanders also barely just getting that win against the Colts. I really think this is a spot for them to kind of just get back to what has worked for them. And that is running the football. The Eagles have gotten away from running the football a bit this season because of, you know, the acquisition of AJ Brown, having Devonte Smith, Dallas Goddard. We know Dallas Goddard's hurt both Brown and Devonte Smith are a little bit banged up as well. So I really think when we look at uh, how this Eagles team is going to choose to attack the Packers, they are going to just run the football down their throat. I think that's a, a big criticism we saw is that they weren't running the ball enough in these previous two games where they uh, lost ultimately to the commanders and then struggled against the Colts. So this is a great spot to reestablish their identity, run the football. The Packers run defense is 28th allowed in EPA per rush, 25th in run defense success percentage, 20th in run grade defense. So this is just a terrible run defense. Uh, I can't emphasize that enough. Also, Sanders has been very effective this year as well. In previous seasons, he was kind of more of like a breakaway runner where he would have a lot of runs that would get stopped at the line of scrimmage, and then he would bust a long run. And that's hard to account on or count on on a week-to-week -week basis if you're getting bottled up like that. It's kind of like what Kenneth Walker is doing in Seattle, although he's so explosive that he's been able to break off a big run every game. But Miles Sanders actually has kind of uh, ch changed the narrative on his running style quite a bit. He's picking up four, five, six, seven yards very consistently. That's what you want when you play running back props as well. Again, it's hard to rely on that one big rush. So I think he's going to get an uptick in usage here. And this is about as good as a matchup on paper as you can find against this Green Bay run funnel. So love me some Miles Sanders, over 66 and a half rushing yards. I expect this one to eventually settle probably at 71, 72 and a half. So I implore you to get in on it early. 
And you know what? You spoke about the Eagles and their problems they've had the last two, really three weeks in regards to just playing overall, covering. You know what the problem has been? Turnovers, dude. They've got six turnovers in the last two games. They only had three total in their first eight. And you know who does not turn the ball over? Miles Sanders, dude. Does not do it. He's going to get opportunities abound because they trust him. So, all right. Everybody grab your paper, grab your pencil, take a little recap here. It does look glorious. Like a snake doing work over there. Prop stars is on. Mark Andrews over 63 and a half receiving yards. Miles Sanders uh, over 66 and a half rushing yards. Travis Etienne over 92 and a half rushing and receiving yards. And Geno Smith over 255 and a half passing yards. Sia Najad is on Antonio Gibson over 71 and a half rushing and receiving yards. Latavius Murphy Latavius Murray, longest rush under 14 and a half yards. James Conner, over 63 and a half rushing yards. And Geno Smith, longest pass over 35 and a half yards. So, I kind of like how we end live shows, right? Just what everybody's looking forward to this week in the NFL. See ya. Start with you, man. What are you looking forward to? So, let me address a couple questions in the chat real quick. Yeah, uh, WV Weasel says Gino or Justin Herbert in fantasy. I'd actually go Justin Herbert there just because there are paths where Kenneth Walker can dominate and just limit Gino Smith just a little bit. Whereas with the Chargers uh, at the Arizona Cardinals, that, that path doesn't exist. Uh, I don't think. I don't think Eckler is going to be rushing all over the Arizona Cardinals. So I think because we're going to see probably more pass attempts from Justin Herbert, I think uh, I think that's uh, probably the play over Geno there. It's certainly debatable. And then Rebecca says, do we like Metcalf or Lockett props then? Uh, because of the Geno props, I think the answer is yes. I just don't I just don't know who to choose between those two. They're both around 64 and a half, 65 and a half. I think I like Lockett a little bit better. I've been going back and forth all day. Um, I think I like Lockett's over there, but I just haven't been willing to pull the trigger on either of those. What am I looking forward to? That's a really interesting question. I mean, I, you know, as a Washington Commanders fan, I'm looking at this Antonio Gibson prop and I'm I'm thinking to myself, man, is, is this team like actually potentially for real? Is this the formula with just a great defense, kind of old school and, and rushing the ball and a quarterback that just locks in on Terry McLaurin, who's, whose prop I kind of like a little bit too at, I believe, 60 and a half. Um, I, I'm really going to be focused on uh, the Washington Commanders. But outside of that, there's two really exciting games. We touched on one of them, touched on both of them, actually. It's the, uh, it's the Chargers, Arizona Cardinals, and it's the Raiders and the Seattle Seahawks. I think those are going to be potentially two very, very exciting games. I love it. Now, here, okay, I'm going to ask you this, Sia, because I'm not saying that I have the answer. I just have a little information that could help us find. So it's between Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, correct? Like, yeah. Question. Mm-hmm. Who catches more passes outside the numbers? Metcalf. That's your guy. Geno Smith ranks second in the NFL in passer rating of passes deep and outside the numbers, 118.8. I'm not saying that's the, that's the absolute right answer. But Geno Smith looks outside the numbers and drills it. So, something to take. Yeah, and so that's why they're kind of both in play because the counterpoint to that would be that the Raiders have been a little bit better against outside receivers versus slot receivers. So, but but the reality is it's still a bad secondary at the end of the day, and you still have a very efficient quarterback who's very good with the long ball. So, for both of those props to be in the 64-65 range, uh, just you know, I don't want to get carried away. But it seems to me like both overs could come in. And then you have to kind of reconcile, well, if that's true, then what's happening with Kenneth Walker? Because I'm sure people like his overs as well. And I don't want to just say over on everything in this game. 
Yeah, but, I, I but I actually think Lockett and, and Metcalf could both get there for sure. See, that's a great point, man, that chess match, because it's like you hit one outside the numbers and then you just slam them to death. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then Kenneth Walker, start running it. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. All right, Prop Stars, how about you, buddy? I'm looking forward to seeing how my Philadelphia Eagles respond coming off these two subpar performances versus teams they should have beaten. No disrespect, Cousin Sia. But, uh, yeah, against this Green Bay defense or Green Bay (laughs) offense or Green Bay team, I should say, that's playing a little bit better. So interested to see if the Eagles do, in fact, go back to basics, running the football, placing a strong emphasis on attacking Green Bay, who are one of the biggest run funnels. If they do, Miles Sanders, spike game, looking at you. Furthermore, always looking at potential sprinkle opportunities, that being Miles Sanders' alt yards. I'm going to look at him going over 90 and 100 rushing yards as well. So I would encourage you all to do the same thing. I love it. Now, real quick before we go, Mike M in the chat says, AB, who's throwing a pick? I need that call from you before I bet. I'll tell you. Joe Burrow, and I'm going to tell you why. Hmm. Joe Mixon is out. Now, it looks like we're going to get uh, Jamar Chase in. And obviously, T. Higgins is playing very well. But Samaje P. Ryan is going to be in pass pro a lot for Joe Burrow, especially that offensive line. The Titans don't, the Titans defense is pretty good, and they could get after the quarterback. Long story short, what I'm saying is the run game for the Bengals is not going to be there as much as it normally is. I think it's a super high scoring game on both sides, but you're going to get a ton of pass opportunities. And the Titans, go check the numbers, they have a pick in almost every single game this season. Titans are also a very big pass volume, so I like that look as well because anytime Absolutely. you can count on additional volume, that's what we're looking for. It's a volume-based game. So if Burrow's going to throw more than he normally does, that gives the Titans' defense that many more opportunities to get an interception. So love it, A.B. Prop stars, you brilliant son of a gun. I love it, man. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Uncle Dave, he is in Chicago. Is that right? He couldn't join us today. I believe he's on assignment out He's at Giordano's on assignment. God, I wish I were on assignment at Giordano's. I could go for a big pizza right now. But thank you two so much. And thank you, everybody in the Early Edge crew for tuning in as well. We will be live Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, normal time, breaking down everything for college football, the World Cup. I mean, you name it. We've got every single sport going on. It's going to be phenomenal. Join us then. But until then, best of luck. Let's cash these tickets. We'll see you tomorrow.